and welcome to the Mindset and Self Mastery Show. I'm your host, Nick McGowan, and on this show, my guests and I unpack the stories that shape us and the lives that we lead on our path to self mastery. Today on the show, we have Liz Lopez. Liz is a best selling author and an executive career and business coach who helps corporate professionals and business owners to life-changing levels of success through one-on-one coaching and signature group coaching programs. Now, being a career coach must have been pretty interesting during the whole pandemic, so I asked her to join the show. But before that, because it's just you and me here, we've got to be honest with each other. Well, be honest with me. You've thought about leaving your job at least one time since March of 2020. Yeah, am I right? You see, when COVID hit, everyone started to think about their careers and just working differently. So Liz and I get into some of the behind the scenes conversations with executives and business owners throughout the past few years about making life and career changes, as well as the stories that have shaped Liz and the wisdom she can share with us all. So let's not wait any longer. Let the games begin. Hello, Liz. Welcome to the show. I'm so glad you're here. How are you doing? I'm doing very well, Nick, and thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to our conversation. Absolutely. So, Liz, I appreciate you being here. You and I met a couple of years ago through a networking group in Florida. I think it was literally one of the first things I did when I got here. <laughs> I was like, I need to get back and people again and meet with some people. And you were one of the first handful that I met. Are you, uh, are you actually still part of that group? You know, because of the mostly working from home over the past couple of years, I've not really been in person to a lot of groups at all. Uh, but I, I am looking forward now to kind of revisiting some of them mm-hmm. kind of seeing where I'm going to spend a little bit of time going forth. I tend to kind of limit my in-person stuff to a couple times a month, but I do a ton of networking virtually. Sure. Isn't it a beautiful thing that we have the opportunity to do that now? We're Years ago, mm-hmm. it was kind of weird. Like, even if you're like, hey, hop onto this Skype call, they're like, I don't want you to see my face. So everybody just <laughs> got their camera closed. Not anymore, for the most part. I think now as, as things are opening up, it feeds everyone, right? Like the people that really need that in-person energy are going to be able to indulge in that more, receive that. Mm-hmm. And those of us that are kind of more uncomfortable with, more comfortable with more of a digital type of exchange and feel like we can truly connect in this manner, have that option. Heck yeah. But I like the hybrid world of it. Yeah. What a beautiful thing. You know, business just needs to get done. Relationships and communication just need to happen, no matter what the platform is. And sometimes I know I have first world problems where I'm like, oh, there was an issue with this laptop. I'll jump to another laptop. There was an issue with that. I'll, I guess I'll grab my iPad. There are times I'm like, geez, there are kids that just want water in different parts of the company, you know, the country. And I'm looking at this stuff like, oh, dumb first world problems. Uh, But let's take a little bit of a step back. Liz, why don't you introduce yourself? Tell us one thing you do for a living and maybe something that most people don't know about you. Sure, sure. Uh, So I am an executive coach and I work with leaders both in the corporate world. So these may be your CIOs, your CMOs, your CFOs, as well as people as aspiring into that C-suite. And on the business side, I work with owners of their own companies. So we're looking at success strategies, whether they're looking to accelerate growth in careers with their credibility and their visibility, or they're looking to accelerate growth within their business, which sharpening their business model, really getting clear on their messaging and sales process, 
and then going into some highly productive lead generation to achieve what I like to call joyful profitability, where they're leaving, living, leading a life where they're really enjoying what they're doing. They're not working themselves to death and they are creating abundance for themselves and for their legacy. You touch on a nerve almost right off the bat. Now, I was having a conversation with somebody recently about the whole hustle culture. And the guy called me out and was like, well, I think what you're doing is hustling because I'm doing my, my job, my business, my podcast. But I think there's a difference between doing work on things that you enjoy and that you love or just doing things that you don't do. Now, as a coach that helps people in their career, how often do you come across people that go, you know what, I'm doing exactly what I want? Or do you just not even talk to those people because they're not, they're not your ideal? Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, you know, it, it depends. On the career side, they're, they're on a path. So they may be at the end of their path with mm-hmm. where, they, where they are and looking to make their, that next move, right? So they, mm-hmm. they're happy with their overall, you know, maybe their industry or their, their role type, but just not their current circumstance. And on the business side, Sometimes it is a decision point, Nick. Sometimes it's a matter of, do you really want to do this? Yeah. Because, and I and I just had that conversation with one of my clients. They were looking at the different services that she provides, and I was asking very clearly, which one of these do you want to do, and which ones do you not? Because why teach you to make money doing something you don't want to do? <laughs> and and that to me becomes really really critical. You know, and speak, speaking of things that, that we want to do, I'm going to jump back because I did forget to tell you something you did ask. As you asked me, what's something that people don't know about me? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is that I have a lot of medals. And I, I don't have them displayed at the moment, but I have a lot of medals. I, I've done all my life. I've done a lot of 5Ks. I've done half marathons, 10Ks. And I've done a whole bunch of triathlons as well. And that tends to surprise people, Nick, because I don't look like I would be fast. And honestly, I'm not fast, but I'm persistent. And I mm. get to that end and finish line and I get my medal. Wow. That is such a cool thing. Um, and it, it would be a judgment to look at surface of people and just automatically think that's nah, what they're not into that sort of thing. But you never know what people are into until you actually get into the conversation or even ask. So how did you get into that side of life? Uh, I was, when I was in my early 20s, I was invited by coworkers to go bike riding. Okay. And I, I wasn't great at it, right? But we were doing it. We started doing some biking events. And I was, again, persistent, but not very fast. I felt like I needed to increase my stamina. So I started running to increase my stamina and cycling. And over time, just found that it was so much easier to just go out the door in my shoes as opposed to like the, the you know, all everything I needed to go on a serious bike ride. And, and over time, that just took over. That's pretty cool. I think most people, if they say, I've got a lot of medals. It's like, yeah, we, uh, we won something in sixth grade. My mom kept the medals. Um, I think we won something in like, I don't know, whatever that field day was we did in eighth grade, you know, that was the third place medal. But the fact that you've done a lot of this stuff and you have those medals, do you just not have them showing off now because you haven't had them set up or is, uh, is there something deeper to that? 
No, I've redecorated my office. Okay. I've re so, and I have not yet. I have this vision of how I want to put them together, yes. but to build something to do that and the time for that building has not yet arrived. Um, okay. But I, I will proudly display them. You know, fun fact, you know, we talked about the fact that I have a puppy and my wife actually enrolled him in a race about two weeks ago and he won. What? He won two out of four races. So now he has medals. Oh, man. It's a whole family situation. Does your wife have medals or is she so. lagging behind? You know, she does some events with me just for just for fun. Okay. So she has some, you know, some of the same medals that I do. But um, my, my wife is a maker. So her world is more like 3D printing mm. and resin printing and just creating amazing, amazing things. So... I think the puppy and I are going to be the ones with the most medals. <laughs> That's a cool thing for you two to share, though. Uh, so let's Thank touch you. a little bit about the the coaching and taking a little bit of a steer over to the people you've been working with over the past two years. Oh, gosh, at this point, we're on calendar year three with this whole COVID thing. But um, mm -hmm. since all of that stuff happened, and we touched a little bit on that on our own personal call that we had uh but I'd love to hear what sort of patterns you've seen with people that are trying to either shift careers or in the space that they're trying to do more, but be more aligned. So I'd love to hear your perspective on that. I think you're, you hit a really important word with that, Nick, in terms of alignment. Mm -hmm. There are, I've always, I've been coaching now for 15 years and on the career side, for the most part, except for like maybe that 2008 to 2010, the majority of my clients are employed and they are intentionally uh, mapping out their next level strategy. Mm -hmm. In the past two years, what, you, what I have experienced is a lot of leaders not necessarily looking for, I just want the next great, you know, good job that aligns my next step. You know, they want the next job they're happy with, mm -hmm. right? It's got to be something that, I mean, I have seen so many redirections. I've always wanted to work in this industry. It's my time. I'm going to go pivot this way. Or I've decided I'm just going to go ahead and launch my own business. Right? Like I have one client that's talking about I might open a, a bird store. Right? Coming out of a deep financial industry. So there's so many different types of pivots going on. But it has to, fulfillment mm -hmm. has become super critical. And my clients, that's always been important because that's part of what I'm about. But the commitment of people to, if it's not in alignment, I'm not going to do it. And I've had so many clients of mine that are interviewing, they're interviewing extremely well, Nick, and they're turning down offers because it's just, in the end, the offer just didn't, didn't align wow. in all the ways. And they're being patient mm. about moving. It seems like such a power play for people, especially people in the know with themselves. If they understand it's got to fit this criteria, I think there are a lot of people that forget about um, the interview being a two-way street. Like when you go in for an interview, it's not just them interviewing and grilling you. You got to figure out, do you want to even work there? Do you want to work with those people? If you instantly get a gut feel that these people are weird and creepy, they might just be your people or they might not be. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and, you know, the interview process is highly traditional still. And I feel like employers 
hurt themselves a little bit by not having some more upfront conversations about what exactly are going to be a part of that offer. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you go through that process for so long, you know, long, you know, multi, sometimes multi-month processes yeah. to hire these executives and then come out and make an offer that isn't in alignment. You could have saved yourself a lot of time if you had just disclosed more upfront. Mm-hmm. You know, so, so it becomes this dance when I when I wish it could be a much better partnership in in really reaching a decision about who, can we be mutually beneficial to each other? Sure. This may be a very simple question, but do you think that just basically boils down to the people? Because if there's people on both sides that are empathetic and understanding and trying to look for a win-win, you would think that it would work out that way. But Maybe that's typically not the case. Uh, are your clients finding that to be where they're meeting with other companies that are sort of along that same line or no? I believe that there's really good intentions. Okay. I just believe that the industry employers as a whole are very mired in the system, right? Like this is the way it's done. And sometimes, uh, you know, when there's recruiters involved and there's a process, right? And people are very very attached to their process. Talk about, I mean, we're having conversations about mindset. It, it, it's such an enormous change mm. and the mindset has to be there first, right? They have to feel the safety, Nick, that we will arrive at good decisions even if we do this from a genuine human direction. And I don't think that mindset's there. Oh, I agree. And what a beautiful way to basically say, no, they need to clean their shit up. Like <laughs> everybody... And it's a people thing. Well, I think they're spending a lot of money they wouldn't need to if they would embrace a different way. But I think there's a lot of fear involved. Yeah. Um, I know there's a lot of fear just in the industries, no matter what. So if you think of um, fear of supply chain issues and just stuff that's happening, there's also the fear of the companies that have employees that are leaving. Some that are leaving on their own or needed to be asked to go somewhere else because of that, I think that inner stir. It seems like everybody, most everybody, started to have some sort of inner stir when everything happened. They were like, what do I want to do? So do you find that people are now coming to you saying, I feel like I need to find something aligned, or are you working with them to find that aligned thing? So part of my clients are in transition, right? They, they are intentionally making a move where a whole other part of my clients are in role. Like they are CIOs, CEOs, CMOs already in place. They're not looking to make a career change. I'm just their their executive coach, right? I'm their Mm -hmm. board of advisors, the one person that they can talk to and like be real with. Yeah. So I kind of see both sides of that equation. A great example of this, I recently am supporting one of my clients in onboarding to a new organization. And as I'm studying the organization with him and and talking about the different roles, one of the people that he'll be that'll be appear to him is is the the v, the senior VP of supply chain. Hmm. And I made the point of of mentioning this person needs help. <laughs> right, this is the person that's in the most pain. Yeah. So this is this is one of the first relationships you have to build and investigate. How do you support? How do you support them and how do you lessen their pain? Uh, because there is so much happening right now. Um, so some people, yeah, they're looking to move. They're looking to, to shift. 
but others are just really looking to be successful with what is. And then it's about how do we have these conversations and and have some vulnerability in that mm-hmm. to you know approach another executive level person and and let them know that you want to support them, but let them keep their dignity as well, like not to make it seem like they're they're struggling. And then the flip side of that is how do you accept help without making it seem like you can't do what you need to do? There's a lot of that happening out there in the market right now. And I think my sense is, my gut tells me, Nick, that if more of those conversations were happening, you would see less of the people leaving. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. I, I can think that that could probably go for many sort of relationships. The people that were married and got a divorce throughout COVID people that switched jobs or changed careers or made some sort of transition. I guess, hell, even the people that just bought the COVID pet because they were like, well, we're stuck at the house. What are we going to do? Let's get a dog. Let's get an iguana or whatever. Uh, There are those little stirs that come up and being able to manage what that alignment looks like. uh, I know that's something firsthand that you've actually helped me with. And I'm not sure if you're aware of that, but a couple of years ago, we talked, I think we talked a couple times, like maybe an hour or two over the course of a couple of weeks. I was basically having a breakdown. I don't think they call it a nervous breakdown anymore, but I was in the midst of something um, and about to leave my own company. And I was like, I need to create a resume. And I set up the bones of it. And you and I had met recently and started talking through some of that. You were like, yeah, send it over. Let's talk through. I'll help however I can. Um, and I remember you asking me, like, do you want to do what you're doing? Like all this aside, just do you even want to do it? And I really appreciated that question of like, because I arrived to no, I absolutely do not. This is eating my soul through my nose. And I want to get out of this thing. And you're like, all right, cool. Well, what do you want to do next? So I'd assume your conversations are probably still the same with that because you're very good at that. But they've probably shifted a little bit. So when you're working with somebody now who is in the role they've been in, they're trying to be maybe risk averse, but still be empathetic. Can you kind of give us a a glimpse of what those coaching sessions look like? First of all, thank you for sharing that. That, that I really value that you share that with me. So thank you. Um, those, those conversations vary so much depending on current state and where they're going, mm-hmm. right? And, and they're very different on the career side versus on the business owner side. But the majority of the point in that is discovering what their true north is, right? Where are they really looking to go? And how willing are they to be visible in that? Holding are they to be visible in that? And and in the business sense, there's a little bit more flexibility, right? Like Mm -hmm. you're creating your own thing anyway, so you can do whatever you want. And what I find in that, and, and so on the career side too, Nick, so often the battle is not the external. You know, there's always levers to be to be watched out for. Like, I don't want to risk not having a job. Or I don't want to risk losing clients. Mm-hmm. But a lot of the barriers are inside, right? Mm-hmm. That that I do a whole series called Permission to Dominate. And it has nothing to do with dominating other people. It's dominating the barriers inside. The things like being so afraid to fail that you don't even give yourself a chance to succeed. 
the fact that so many people don't give themselves the permission to feel confident, right? They don't give themselves the permission to be abundant. Nick, I cannot tell you how many times I hear people in business say, well, you know, I, I just want to help people. It's not about the money. I just want to help people. And, and being able to bridge for them that you are able to truly serve others while creating massive abundance for yourself. Mm. Right? You can create financial legacy for you and your family while you serve the world in a great way. And that is 100% mindset. Mm -hmm. Because if you believe that you can only serve people if you're broke or you're struggling, then you, that's all you'll ever do. And it'll actually limit your ability to serve and help others. So a lot of it is the internal battle of what, what are the permissions you're not giving yourself and where, where does a shift in the way you see the world whether it's a shift in your belief system, open you up to have more success and to just feel more fulfilled as a human. Mm -hmm. It's almost a very simple thing to just think about. Well, just put yourself in a better mental spot. It's like, oh, okay, yeah, I'll just do that real quick. Let me just turn that mental button on. But it's a lot more difficult than that, or so people think. And I'm one of those people. There are times where, you know, I'm in my own head about this stuff, and it's like, well, there's all these things. But if you really get down to the boiling of it, you go, well, it's dumb. It was just this one stupid thing that was eating up my time and eating up my bandwidth internally. So I, I've even experienced uh, the conversations with people who are like, man, I just want to serve. I just really want to help people. I'm like, totally cool. How are you going to do that broke as hell? Like, well, probably mm -hmm. not very well. Like, yeah, so imagine if you were abundant, you had money to do greater things. So... With the conversations you have with those people, how do you help them manage their mindset? A big thing that works really well in the process I go through with my clients is that we do a really good inventory of what their history is, right? So yes. what are the things that they have achieved? And I have certain tools that I use for this, one of them being a, a, an online questionnaire that I customize for each client that basically is asking them really specific questions all about the milestones in their career or their business. And people forget. People forget the things that they have achieved. They get buried and they get so very swept under the carpet. And the response that I have over the past 15 years is that first people look at this thing and they're like, wow, that's a lot of work. And by the time they're done, they're like, it is the best thing I've ever done. I, did, I forgot who I was. Mm. So a lot of times it's just reawakening them through their own words and putting them th through the process of having to write it out themselves to really be able to, for them to remember who they are to, and then teaching them how to use that in language mm. so that they can be their best ambassadors for their own value. So there's a lot of different exercises, but really it comes down to them really reconnecting mm the value that they have through collecting evidence. Mm. Yeah, I, I agree with that totally. Uh, part of my program is to uh, take inventory. It's one of the first things you do is figure out what are the things. Mm -hmm. You first got to be aware of it. You got to know there's a problem or something positive, whatever it is, and start to go through that inventory process to figure out what is the stuff that I have. 
I think of it often as like, if you, you think I got to clean up that closet, you know, a lot of people have to junk closet with just all the shit that you just put in there and just stuff in and shut the door real quick. Um, <laughs> if you mentally think through what's all in there, it can be daunting. But if you just open the door and start moving bit by bit by bit, slow piece at a time, Sometimes that's all it really takes. And then figuring out what the inventory is and go, what do we do from here? So with the, I know I don't want you to give away any of your secret sauce or any of that specific when it comes into the, uh, into the coaching, but a couple of the things that are standing out to you and your clients right now, uh, I'm sure, uh, as like, we've already talked about some of the risks and things of that sort, but is there anything else that really stood out over the body of the past, let's say two years, you're like, this was an interesting fact in the conversations I'm having with people. That's a really great question. Um, just today, I was coaching a client and she was going to meet with another executive. Now, I don't coach that other executive. I don't know that other executive. But I was able to frame from her, here's how to prepare. Because here's what's likely, this is what this person is likely going to be saying and doing, right? None of it was negative, but it was just an analysis of that person that would allow her to prepare for that engagement. And she almost fell out of her chair. Liz, I don't, I don't know how you do this. You don't know this guy and you are describing him to the T, right? And now like I, I have seen that about him, but I didn't really think about that in the context of our conversation. So now I feel a lot more prepared and could really mentally adjust and, and even kind of relax into this conversation because of those observations. And that's always something I've been able to do is to really see people clearly, but also help them see the world around them really clearly so that they could have better interactions. And is that something you think you were born with or did that come through experience early in life? I definitely think it's a talent that that I uh, that I've always had and that I've learned to hone mm. that I put time and dedication and and investment into developing because it serves my clients well right my my ability to connect with them and to read them but also to understand other people allows them to to, to better strategize and better prepare to be more emotionally available at times mm. And it's certainly not, uh, it doesn't come from a very co a cold place of like, oh, I read them like a book or <laughs> you know, it, it really is more of a, an intuitive sharing, a very, you know, like, I'm very business based, but I, I do get really clear on what all the moving parts is. I read politics, office politics really well. I can navigate people through different uh, challenges that they're having. And, and that allows me to serve them well. Absolutely feel like I've always known it from my childhood that my success comes from championing the success of others. Mm. And these skills are a part of that contribution. Mm. So over the course of time that you worked in corporate America, let's say, or just any sort of jobs, and you saw that stuff happening, is that how you got into coaching? Just by naturally coaching other people you're working with? I had the, the incredible uh, you know, honor of having leadership positions when I was in the corporate world. So a lot of that came from there. Um, honestly, I didn't really set out to be a coach. I did a lot of consulting on the content side. It was helping people 
with their messaging at the beginning of, of my solo career here as, as, my, as a business owner, really helping them get clear on how to express themselves so that they could better engage their target market. Uh, and, and over time, it evolved into coaching. And, and then I decided, well, I'm, I need to get a little serious around them. So I, I, I got coaching on coaching mm-hmm. and the certifications just to be able to, to serve them better. But it definitely had it, its evolution. I've always been someone that people came to for guidance. I'm the older of five. Mm. I have 14 nieces and nephews. So like I am constantly tapped into for, for guidance. So I've, that's always something that I've aimed to be very graceful in, be very non-judgmental in, mm-hmm. and to be very authentic in doing that. And, and to be pulled on in so many different directions, clients, family, all of that. It almost sounds like it could be one of those situations like uh, with a hairdresser almost. Like they cut hair for work, then they come home and the family's like, hey, hair's getting a little long. And they're like, here's some damn scissors. Cut it yourself. I don't want to. So <laughs> how do you manage your, your bandwidth where you still, you're able to love and serve, but still balance your time? You know, when you first launch a business, you're so hungry. Like you want like every client you can possibly get. But you reach a point if if you're fortunate, and I and I feel very grateful in this that I can be more mindful of who I take on and who I don't. And I have boundaries set around that. Right, I work with X number of clients on X number of days, uh, and I and I aim to stick to that as much as possible, so I can honor time with my family, and also have a lot of downtime. Like I, my hobbies do not involve speaking. Right, I watch movies, I read. Or I'm doing something, you know, to gain another medal. But they're very quiet activities. Well, that's smart. Um, I, I've realized over the course of time that sometimes I can work myself kind of crazy, especially on things that I love to do. So having things outside of whatever work we're doing, even sometimes just getting off the damn computer and going to do something different. And one of those hobbies... Uh, that are quieter hobbies. And maybe that's a thing for people that talk a lot. You know, that's what we do. Coaching or sales. They were just talking, 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 talking. Right now, this is a friggin' podcast about us talking. Um, and we're doing pretty well with it, you know? So virtual high five. Uh, so in, in that, yeah, where where you're able to kind of slow down, do you find that it's it's gotten easier for you over the course of time to be able to pull your energy back and say, it's me time or it's family time or what have you? Or do you have a little bit of a buffer zone where you have to kind of reel from the day and kind of get into the, the other mode? There's definitely a little bit of a buffer zone. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have to be intentional about it because I really love what I do and I could easily overwork. And, and that will only last so long before it just gets, I get totally drained. So I manage that carefully. You know, ironically, the day-to-day is probably more challenging for me, really having to be very disciplined around that. Whereas seasons are easier for me. Like I take three weeks off during the holidays, no matter what. And I'm completely comfortable with doing that. And there are times when fellow coaches like, oh, my God, aren't you afraid all your clients are going to disappear? And I'm like, no, I'm not. Not at all. Um, 
and I take, I, and I'm very mindful about taking vacations and, and being, um, for the most part, disconnected in those. So I'm very, very comfortable with, with assigning blocks of time that are just mine. Um, but I have to discipline myself in not having a, an extra long day because I can get in such a role mm-hmm. with things and I, I need to know when to stop, when to step back. Is there something that hits you maybe in your intuition that you're like, oh, it's that moment, I need to step away? Or is it just something where you go, oh? <laughs> I don't know if it's my intuition or my lower back that says you've been sitting here way too long. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah. So even if you get a stand up desk, it's still probably going to happen. I realize the same thing. Uh, I have a sit stand desk and there are times where I'm standing and I'm like, man, my calves really hurt and my feet hurt. I'm like, how long have I been standing here? Like, what time is it? It's been six hours. I've just been standing in the same damn spot. Should probably go to the bathroom, eat dinner, you know, not be here at this damn computer. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I will say over the past year, that's been one of my big things is that I have a lunchtime okay. every day, every day, like same, t- pretty much the same time every day, dedicated lunchtime. Mm-hmm. And I leave the office and I go do my thing. And, uh, and I really, really enjoy that. Wow. That's, uh, that's smart to be able to kind of lock yourself into something. You're like, I have to go do this. I get, you almost habit stack it in a sense to say, well, along with launch, I'm going to get myself away from the computer. I'm going to do this, do that, etc. Uh, so let's talk about the daily for you. What is, um, what is daily mind look like? Do you have the things that you do like, uh, rituals or anything that you do through the morning or at nights, or do you just wake up and just, you just Liz Lopez and you just do you. <laughs> there are mornings when I, when I am like, I'm like literally the path to my office is very, very short. And there are mornings when I'm just like, I want to go do that thing. Mm. I try very hard and I'm successful most of the time of, I, I'm very fortunate to have an area in my house that's set up as a fitness area. And I aim to go there first um, and, and really spend at least 30 minutes there kind of having an, an, a different awakening of the day and trying to be more involved in movement. Uh, I love breakfast. I am a breakfast person. I would rather skip dinner than skip breakfast. And so I, I usually have something exciting for breakfast and then, you know, we'll, we'll do whatever transition needs to be done to get into the office. So most days I have a really nice morning routine, uh, but there are some days when I wake up and I'm just like, I'm going to go in the office. I got to do that thing. Mm -hmm. So I understand that feel the bug. trying to be one of those people that has a morning routine yeah. and I'm, I'm i would say 75 percent of the way there but i also give myself grace like if there's a day that i'm just like chomping at the bit and there's something i want to work on then i'm gonna go do it yeah and that's smart i think if you understand how you operate then you can play jazz in that sort of way where you go all right well today i'm gonna go do this thing because it's not like you don't do it today and that means it just never happens ever again you're just like nope i'm done <laughs> so you'll get back to it that is a habit thing that you need to kind of put in a place. And I'm sure you work with your clients on that sort of stuff. Um, But I want to jump a little bit. So we've talked a lot about your clients and the mindset and kind of what's happened over the past couple of years. But are there any major moments that have happened over the course of time that you can look at and say, man, that was one of those moments that changed me? 
there's always one that comes to mind. And this is when I was in the corporate world. So I had worked at Capital One. Capital One had a, had a massive layoff. And my boss got a job at Pods, Portable On Demand Storage, which at the time was still kind of small company mm-hmm. growing. And she hired me to come work for her. And I was in charge of, I don't actually quite a bit of different things, many hats. But one of the hats is I did a lot of the reporting. I did, I was the call center analyst. So I really kind of gathered all our data and, you know, took it from all this craziness and tried to make it something readable for, for the executives, particularly my, my boss, Lori. Uh, and this worked relatively well. You know, I was well regarded. But one day she sat me down and she told me something. She had asked me for some kind of, you know, report. And getting data was never easy. It was like pulling tea from IT. System was homegrown. It was amazing. But it just wasn't reporting friendly. So she asked me to do something else. And I'm immediately like, I don't know that we're going to be able to do that. That looks complex. And, you know, I don't think the guys are going to want to go there. And she said to me, let me tell you something that happened. I'll ask you for something. And you'll him and you'll haw and you'll tell me, I don't think we can do it. And then you'll disappear for a couple of days. And then you'll come back and you'll be like, here, this is what we will be able to do. And it's perfect. She's like, so you always deliver, even when you think you're not going to be able to do it. Like, you don't let it go. You, you, you know at it until you get it done. But the experience that you gave me is that you said no. Like, how about considering telling me, hmm, that might be a little challenging. Let me go see what we can do. And I'll get back to you in a couple days. The result is the same, but the experience that I have is different. And Nick, this was right about the same time that Jim Carrey had done that movie, Yes Man. Mm. Right. Where he he had to say yes to everything first. Mm -hmm. And it really like that conversation and having recently watched that movie just kind of exploded in my head of what is the experience that we're delivering and how often are we saying no when either a yes will do and then go figure it out yeah. or a, you know what, let, let me give that my best shot. Let me look into that for you. Let me approach that. Let me study that. Let me analyze that. What a great idea. I'm enthusiastic about that. Let me find out the logistics of it. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and I was always someone who studied language. You know, I'm the kind of person that will tell somebody, what, avoid this as opposed to don't do this. Mm-hmm. So when she said that to me, it really was just massive lightning bolts. And it was life-changing. It was absolutely life-changing. And I know this person. This is 15 years ago. We are still friends. Because that was just a moment that opened it up for me. Because shortly after that, I launched my business as a side gig. And every time somebody would ask me, can you do this? I would say, yeah, I'm, I'm, I can do it. As long as I felt it was in the realm of possibility for me, Nick, it was like, yes. And I'd go and I figured it out and I would deliver. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I would not have been able to do what I did here today if I was still starting with no. Oh, wow. What a shift. Like imagine as a coach talking to somebody and then being like, well, I'm having a problem with this and it's right in your wheelhouse. Can you help me? And you're like, oh, well, 
you know, you sound like you could be kind of shitty at times, and I don't know if that's going to work. And, you know, here's this, and I'm also seeing this is potentially a problem. They're going to be like, oh, um, okay, and probably feel much worse. So the fact that you're able to take that and be like, yeah, let's spin this. I appreciate from the sales side of just going, sure, yeah. How are we going to do this thing? Mm-hmm. Um, but as long as it's right around your wheelhouse, typically I found that that's a good spot to kind of get yourself moving. Are you in that same spot where you go, all right, well, I said I'm going to do this thing, so damn it, I'm going to figure it out. Oh, yeah, I totally am. And I'm, and I'm fortunate enough that I have a good team around me. Mm-hmm. I've got a great network. So, I mean, and then there's your friend Google, right? Like, you'll, you can figure out pretty much anything. Yep. But I'm also mindful of boundaries, right? If somebody comes into me and they have something that they need, it's not really in my wheelhouse. I'm going to be enthusiastic with them, but I'm also going to be enthusiastic about connecting them to the right yeah. person. Right? I'm not a, at a place in my life, and I never really was, but especially not now, where I'm just going to take a client to take a client, mm-hmm. right? I'm going to take the people that I can serve properly. And if we're not, I don't feel like we're in the perfect alignment, like we're not a good match. I have wonderful colleagues that own their own coaching practices that I can refer them to so that they can have a better experience. Yeah. And you got to be aligned with yourself back to the beginning of this conversation. Mm-hmm. You got to know what's right for you at that point. You're so much easier to be flexible and say, well, I know what makes sense for me. If you fit within this then great, let's party. If not totally good, this person can help. That's That's a beautiful way that uh, I appreciate that you look at that sort of stuff. I know throughout the conversations that you've had, even with me, uh, many years ago, there was no trying to sell. It was just, hey, does this make sense? If I can help a little bit, I'll help a little bit. And I don't think I, I don't think I put too much stress on you. But again, thank you for your help with that. Um, Are there any other moments that kind of come to mind or anything that stands out that was kind of a shift in life? I, I had the incredible, I've had some great coaches in my life, Nick, some really great coaches. Um, one of the first coaches that I really got, that, that I made a major investment in was Lisa Nichols. And some people know her very well. Some people don't know her at all. But you know, Lisa Nichols was in the, in the secret many years ago. She's kind of the, the African-American Tony Robbins. And in her program, she, she shares this, this thought process, and I may not have all the words right now, but it, it's this quote that she has that talks about there's nothing to prove, there's nothing to hide, there's nothing to defend, and there's nothing to protect. I remember there's all four of them. I got them, right? And that was really liberating for me because so much of what we do Sometimes is hedging around those, right? We're trying to pr- protect our fear. We're trying to defend ourselves before somebody something's even happened. Or we're trying to we're trying to hide the ugly. We're just trying to show the the shiny. And I found that just absolutely, really, truly liberating to know that that I I had permission to just be my authentic mm. self, right? And that was something that always resonated with me. But to hear it sometimes from others is so important. And Nick, to me, that also proved the, the, the importance of voice, right? And Lisa Nichols was a very big speaker, but I've also learned amazing things from somebody just starting out. 
and and the lesson behind it all is that you need to speak you need to be you need to be sharing your message if there's something inside of you that's telling you this needs to be known to share it and to not worry about who said it before mm. or how they're saying it or if they're saying it better or if they're saying it fancier there are people that will only be able to hear it in the method and in the way that you say it they can only hear it from you and if we can remove ourselves from comparison mm -hmm. and know that we have permission to, to build out our space in this universe, then we will be able to more courageously deliver our message. And in that, we will better serve others. We will unlock others to serve the way they need to serve. That was beautiful. And I really appreciate you being on the show today. I think this has been a fantastic conversation. I would love to have you back at some point, and especially at the point when those medals are up on the wall somewhere. Might have to move that camera around to be able to see them. Um, but please tell me where people can find you and they can connect with you. So a couple of places. And first of all, thank you, Nick. I, I have loved this so much. It's been such a great conversation. I love that we've reconnected. I'm so excited about the work that you're doing. So thank you for sharing your space with me and for sharing my voice with your audience. And if they'd like to connect with me, uh, my website is www.lizmlopez.com. So lizmlopez.com, just like my name. Or you can find me on LinkedIn. I am big on LinkedIn. I love LinkedIn. Let's jam on LinkedIn. Uh, and I'm there as well as Liz M. Lopez. Again, Liz, thank you so much for being on the show. It's been a pleasure to have you. And I look forward to having you back again. Thank you so much, Nick. Another great conversation on today's episode of the Mindset and Self Mastery Show. And I really love when a conversation wraps up with a great lesson like allowing ourselves to courageously deliver our message to the world. What? For real? That message that you have, the message that I have, the message that we all have. Just let that simmer for a minute. Now, no matter who you are or what it is that you care about, if it aligns with you, makes you excited to be alive, and you're not murdering people, then share it as you see fit. This is your story. And thanks for allowing us and our conversation to be a part of your story. I'm definitely glad you're a part of ours. So what did you think about today's episode? I'd love to hear your thoughts on the topics we got into today. If you enjoyed the episode, please jump over to iTunes, subscribe, rate, and leave a five-star review. They help us be found by other people and help others be healed. And if you really enjoyed the show today, go ahead and share it with your friends. We covered a pretty tough subject and got in some great tips about career change and life. And check out the show notes for more info and contact info for Liz. And check out the other episodes on TheMindsetAndSelfMasteryShow.com as well as our YouTube channel, The Mindset and Self Mastery Show. Just go ahead and type that in, hit search, and there you go. Thanks again, Liz, for being real. Thanks for being honest, vulnerable, and being open with us. And thank you to you for listening. And with that, remember, your mindset matters. And so do you.